Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we have in store hey, today? Hey, Adam, today our guest has forgotten probably more uh, Hebrew than you and I ever learned. Yeah, in, um, doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> He was a bit of a minor celebrity. Blake Holmes, welcome back, brother. Hey, friends. Good to be here. (laughs) All right. So today we're talking about the first 90 days. And specifically, what does a leader do uh, his first 90 days in a new role? And so we have in mind someone who comes from the outside into a new organization. They're at a new church or uh, a new company, and they're given a new role. Or someone who internally uh, is promoted or they're moved, and they're given a new role. And so uh, we asked Blake uh, to be here with us uh, because this isn't theoretical for you. Blake, right. this is this has been part of your last year, and so uh, you want to tell the audience a little bit about um, kind of your last you know year or so, your journey, uh, and then we'll jump into some of the content. Sure, I've been at Watermark for seventeen years. I've worn a lot of hats, played many different roles. I've been on the young adult team. I've been on the equipping team, and most recently, um, I was asked to be the Dallas campus pastor. So about a, I've been doing this for almost a year now. So the reason we asked Blake, as you said, John, is because he's just been through this. So we asked him to write down some principles of, hey, go back to when you just became Dallas Campus Pastor. Think about what did you do the first 90 days? How did you approach it? By and large, you and I as outside observers watching Blake, we thought he did fantastic during the first 90 days, really a great model. So I think the audience is really going to like what he has to say. So let's set up just some permission to play basics first. Blake, you have a couple of principles here, and then we'll get into some other helpful things to keep in mind. So the first basic is this, is to pray for wisdom and understanding, which this is a church leadership podcast, so I'm sure we didn't just blow anybody's mind with that. But I do think this is really important, especially when you take on a new role. So why don't you talk about what you mean by that? Well, the passage I thought about when I was asked to do this, I thought about Solomon, right? At a young age, being asked to lead God's Mm. people. And he felt the weight of that responsibility. And he just went to the Lord and goes, Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your discernment. And I could relate to that. I felt a sense of um, just the the heaviness of the responsibility. And I just recognized, hey, this is bigger than any one person. I love this place. I'm committed to this mission. This is Jesus Christ's church. It's not my church. And I just want to ask for his wisdom and his guidance on what it is we should do. Because let's face it, um, there's this temptation in this first 90 days to prove yourself yeah. like, Hey, they made the right choice. I'm the guy for the job and to go in there and just start, um, activating. And I don't think that's the first step. Or there's a temptation, John, to go, well, this is, of course, they've asked me to do this. Of course they hired me to it's take on this new time. role. Yeah. Because they've seen my track record. And so that's yeah. what I love about starting with this is because if you're a leader and there is a new role, it's probably because you have a track record, probably because you have a reputation, probably because you've done some good things in the past, there would be a temptation to go, I'm kind of not surprised. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, was, I was expecting this call. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just to, um, yeah, just to pray for wisdom. Um, remember this is, uh, God's thing, you know, this is God's church. It's not yours. You you have the uh, the privilege uh, of doing this. This isn't a right. And uh, just to kind of have that posture, I think was was really, really smart. Yeah. And then the second kind of permission to play basic here, Blake, that you talk about is to clothe yourself in humility. So yeah. talk about that. Yeah, clothing yourself, humility in the spirit of first Peter five, five, right? God's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. This is really important. This isn't about feeding our ego, um, our position, our title. This is about, um, being servants for the sake of of Christ. So who is the 
Perfect model for that, right? For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I love it. Yeah. And Blake, you definitely had that humility. Uh, I think you also had uh, boldness uh, as we, you know, watched you move in. And so, you know, you didn't move into some kind of area, like it wasn't like things were melting down or even bad. Everybody loved what was, but you just had this sense of like, like, like any leader, hey, there's some things we can make better. And, um, and so, but you, you walked in to that, that role with some humility and also boldness. And it just occurs to me that, you know, uh, Peter was the one who, who wrote that, the clothing shelf in humility. He's also the one in Acts 4. Um, you know, we know, we know that passage that they were just like ordinary men, you know, mm-hmm. unlearned, and they had been with Jesus. But what they observed, the first part of that verse is that, uh, for, I think it's uh, Acts 4, 12, uh, is that, um, that they were bold. Mm-hmm. And so Peter, Peter, who was bold, is is you know telling uh, other believers to be humble. Those are not mutually exclusive things. And so as you walk into a new role, it, there's going to be some insecurity. There just ha- there should be unless you're some kind of sociopath. Like there's some things <laughs> that you know you're going to feel insecure uh, about, and which might you know n- normally gravitate um, to yourself to kind of being humble. But but don't forget to be bold and remember that you're God's person for this job. And uh, someone else thought it was a really good idea to put you there. The elders invited you in or uh, some committee or, or, you know, some hiring uh, organization said you're the right person. And so you can walk with uh, boldness there. And then I think it also helps you not, you don't want to be the person with your head down. Golly gee, I'm not sure why I'm here. Uh, Some kind of false humility. You walk that line of humility and boldness. I think it's a great um, kind of line to walk those first nine days. I I think it's been rightly said, humility is not thinking um, less of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. You know, I think about the quarterback, right? (laughs) A good quarterback. There's a sense to him of, hey, I want the ball. Give me the ball. Um, I can lead this team. But then there's this fine line between the arrogance of believing that he's the one who's responsible for all the wins. That's crazy. There's 10 people on that field. You don't want an insecure quarterback, right, on your football team who has got an inflated ego. You want a quarterback who's sitting there going, hey, let me help rally the troops, encourage the troops. And I recognize, hey, this doesn't all rest on my shoulders. There's a a team of 10 out here with me. I like how you started with the leader's heart, because I think that is so important here. So praying for wisdom and understanding, clothing yourself in humility. Now you do have five other principles here as well of once your heart was right, ways that you approach the first 90 days that I think are going to be really helpful. And so the first principle, Blake, is this, is to ask a lot of questions. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, so I think about Proverbs 18 too. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. And um, this is just really important that um, instead of coming in like you're the man with a plan, you have all the answers to slow down and try to define reality. So what I did was I didn't just grab the guys at the top of the organization, so to speak, the guys you might think of. I asked people across our organization and on staff, outside of staff, put them in different rooms and just said, hey, um, if you were in my shoes, what do you think you would first want to do? What, Such what, a great question. Um, what do you think I need to know? And I just tried to listen and not respond, yeah. not um, be defensive, but really just try to understand what was on their heart. What advice would they give me? What do they see that I perhaps I can't see. I'm new to this 
to this role. And so I don't have all the information and I need to go to ask the subject matter experts across yeah. our church, hey, help me see what I don't see and how would you address it? And that was have, just really did, helpful. Uh, did people have anything to say when you asked them? <laughs> it's a cricket to the room. You, you know, it's amazing is when you ask people, hey, what do you think? Oh, you, you're going to, you're going to, if you take the time to listen and you give per- people permission to really say, hey, this is what's going on. You'll be amazed at um, what they're willing to share. And it's it, a little counterintuitive because what you're basically saying, I'm envisioning you're walking into these rooms with a notebook and a pen in your hand. You're not walking into these rooms just with a notebook and you're going to read them everything that they that they need to change. You're going to, you're going to seek to understand. Let me ask you this. When you walked into some of these rooms to talk to some of these different areas of the organization, did you have opinions of what you thought needed to change? I did. I came in with a hunch of like, Hey, um, this seems to be, to be the priority. Um, but what happened is, is I would listen to these ministry leaders and I'd recognize, Hey, you know what? I think what they're addressing takes priority over what I thought we needed to do. That's really good. And, um, and then what I did was is I took that list of concerns or challenges or even the things that we were celebrating. And I'd go back to the Dallas leadership team and I would say, Hey, um, how would you guys process and prioritize these concerns? How should we address this? Because I would have recency bias. Like yeah. I'd go talk to John McGee, for instance, and he'd be excited about his area. And these are the things we got to do. We got to do. Right. And then I'd go over here and I'd talk to maybe Braun Brown. I'd say, Hey, what do you think? And he'd go, Oh, well, this is what we've got to do. And with each meeting, I was like that, that he's exactly yeah. right. That's what we got to do. But when I'd go and speak to the Dallas leadership team and get the counsel of others, they helped me to keep all that in check to prioritize mm-hmm. and so that we were thinking well and not just responding and reacting. I really wish I would have heard this a few years ago. I've been on staff here now almost 10 years and probably after about four years being in here, I was asked to lead our college ministry and I did not take the posture of learning with college ministry. I maybe did it for like one meeting at one meeting, a couple hours where I'm asking the current staff, what is the status of the college ministry? Just, just which you didn't, you weren't really listening. It was no, just a it pragmatic was, I'm move looking to... for things that are going to confirm my biases. Yeah. And then I heard three or four things and just was like, those are done. We're not doing those anymore. And, and completely changed things in the first 90 days. And fast forward a couple of years, I reinstituted almost everything I changed that. And, and so all I did was set myself back a couple of years and I'm not in college ministry anymore. And, so, <laughs> and, here you and they're are. doing fine without me. Oh, so there's so much good, good stuff there, Blake. I mean, I think, so what you can't do is get your new email address and draft up, uh, you know, subject line, new sheriff in town. Uh, you know, here's the five things that we're going to do um, this first 90 days. Yeah. Just go ask questions and, and define reality. Hey, what's really going on? Don't assume you, you know, the answer to that. And what I also did is I tried to pay particular attention just to the emo- emotional cues, how people were doing, you know, taking an energy audit, you know, I'd go and I'd speak to our worship team or a uh, technical arts team or whoever it is. And there was just some of them I'd go, man, they're, they're running pretty hot or yeah. that team needs encouragement right here. Or um, this team is doing a fantastic job. I need to go tell other people what they're doing right now. Um, and then even just listening personally about how someone's doing, maybe it's their marriage, maybe it's a concern they have yeah. for one of their kids. So having a tough time in school, whatever it is, and just recognizing how hey, I'm working with people I love, I want to encourage them. And not, it's not just about um, what they're contributing to this organization, but how they're personally doing. And so I've just learned a lot about um, 
the challenges on our staff, the challenges our church is facing, the things we could celebrate, the wins we could celebrate, what we should be appreciative of, and um, and just how people are doing. Yeah, you really, we really could stop right there. First ninety days, just Absolutely. ask questions, and that would be helpful. But you do have some more helpful principles, so let's keep going. So the first one is ask a lot of questions. The second one is this: is to prioritize then what needs to be done. You're going to hear a million good ideas. All of them are going to be great ideas, and. At some point, you've got to make the hard decision. And it might even discourage people because John feels like his idea is the best idea. This is what we need to do. Adam, you feel like yours, this is, if I love the church and I love Jesus, I need to follow your recommendation. Right. And I may need to just look at John and go, John, I love you. But I think what Adam's sharing um, is really significant. And so it's not a no, but we're going to prioritize this and um, we're going to address this, this concern first. And so... Um, you're looking for the proverbial low-hanging fruit. What are those immediate, easy, quick wins yes. um, that will help us move the needle? And I would just think in terms of um, kind of those uh, long-term needs and and also those short-term needs. Because sometimes those short-term needs just provide an emotional charge, which is which is a, really a benefit with those short-term Absolutely. wins. Absolutely. You put a, yeah, put a few point, points on the board. Yeah. Now the team feels like they're winning and uh, away you go. And it's a great way uh, to start. So Blake, you're talking a lot about uh, leading down and everybody that's there that you know is on your teams or reporting to you or that you're somehow involved with uh, aggregating up all of their ideas and prioritizing, which is incredibly important. I think a mistake I've also seen is someone is not really clear um, on those who hire them. So think elders, um, hire a new pastor or a new position and they've got in their mind what success looks like, but the person uh, doesn't really understand it. So they begin to kind of execute and they, they think they're doing a fantastic job leading and getting things off the ground, but there's a gap between uh, what the elders wanted or what, you know, whoever is leading uh, in your organization wanted and what that person understands. Cause they were given a job description that a lot of times was just cobbled together just to kind of start a conversation. It wasn't really what they <laughs> no, wanted this yeah. person to do. And so, uh, you know, once you kind of get hired, say, great. I, so I read the job description, but if you gave me like three bullet points, if I, if I was going to, you know, sit with you in 90 days and hear like, but that was, we're really encouraged. We were really blessed by your leadership. Uh, what would that look like? And yeah. uh, I would want to hear that and not just uh, think that I got a job description. And I know exactly what I'm doing. Hey, podcast listeners, Adam Tarno here. Wanted to let you know about Watermark's Church Leaders Conference that's happening April 28th through 30th, 2020 here in Dallas, Texas. This will be three days to inspire you with all that God wants to do through his church and equip you to be a better leader wherever God has you. It's not just for pastors, it's for ministry leaders, admins, volunteers, anybody who loves and leads in the local church. You can register now and learn more information at churchleadersconference.com. Number one was ask a lot of questions. Number two was prioritize what needs to be done. Number three, Blake, is this, is to seek buy-in from trusted leaders. Yeah, so um, I think what you want to do here is, um, as you're prioritizing what needs to be done, I think you want to get the right people in the room and you want to be careful as you're making these changes, you want to honor the past. Like you don't want to come in with the sky is falling. This is all wrong. Um, that previous that, person was an idiot. That, that, <laughs> all those people who made decisions before me, what in the world were they thinking? You don't want to do that. You want to get the trusted leaders in the room, get their buy-in because it's, it's important that you have the team with you. You don't want to be a man out on an island by yourself, right? Saying, I think this is a good idea. And no one is with you. Yeah. Everybody else thinks you're crazy. And so you want those who um, are leading with you, you want their trust, their buy-in, because they're going to um, support what they help to create. Yeah. And I mean, and John, you and I know Blake well. He gets excited, right? And he is an activator. 
And I think that's one of the areas as I've been able to observe his leadership over the last 10 years, where I've really watched him grow is this consensus of just going, it's not just my way Mm -hmm. or the highway Mm -hmm. with this, because Mm -hmm. I mean, and he's also really wise and makes really good decisions. And so Blake could be energetic, stand up in the room going, this is where we're going. You know, did like he did in that one meeting where he rips his shirt off and just starts running around the room because he's so excited. Right. Do you remember? That? I don't, I don't remember yeah. that. Maybe I might have a few facts off there, but anyway, <laughs> but, but to watch the wisdom of him to just go, I'm excited about this, but I'm not, I'm only going to be able to take us so far if it's just me. And so, Hey guys, are you okay with this too? But I think there you tempered it a little bit, Blake, cause your buy-in could make somebody maybe make somebody a little bit nervous. Sometimes the buy-in was just, can we try it once? Why don't you talk about that? Yeah. So, um, I think it's really helpful to distinguish between, hey, I've got this really good idea. I'm asking for your approval and let's commit to this for a long term on the long term basis. That probably is not your best first step. Right. It's a lot more palatable for people if you were to go to them and say, hey, guys, what do you think if we were to try this one time? So now you've asked a lot of questions. You've defined reality. Um, you've prioritized what needs to be done. You've got trusted leaders in the room and you're not committing to something long-term. You're just seeking permission. Hey, what if we were to try this once and see what happens? And if it works, let's try it again. All right. Principle number one, ask a lot of questions. Number two, prioritize what needs to be done. Number three, seek buy-in from trusted leaders. Blake, principle number four is this, ask for the right people to help. Yeah, there's something um, I think really powerful when you... Uh, go to someone and you, you don't, you're not telling them, Hey, I need you to do this, help solve this for me. But you ask them, Hey, John, um, this is what we're now going to prioritize. I think you would really help us. And so I'm asking, um, would you be willing to be a part of this team? Would you, would you help me? Um, this is what I, the role I think you can play and help us move the ball down the field, so to speak. There's something pretty powerful about that. Um, asking people's permission. You're not dictating things. You're not um, telling people what to do. You're asking, hey, would you help me with this? And um, I think there's something that's um, empowering about that. That's good. Any stories? So I know, you know, you did that really, really well. You invited, um, you know, leaders in, and I do think leaders need to be invited. Um, uh, generally is a, a pretty good axiom. So uh, anything come to mind as you, as you did that? What was the payoff or some stories there? Well, what I did was a little counterintuitive is, is I went to just various people on our staff. I didn't limit it to um, one specific team. So let me give you an example. If there was something on the students team that I thought um, we needed to address, I didn't just go to that team and go, hey guys, we need to think of new ideas. Would you help? What I did was, is we collaborated with other ministry teams, other gifted leaders and thinkers, right? I pulled Caitlin in, for instance, who serves on our communications team. And I helped and asked her to help us think through our whole assimilation process. And she brought so many good ideas. She's such a clear thinker and she brought objectivity and she brought energy. And that's not even her main responsibility. She's just a great thinker. And so we did that across all of our ministries. People are collaborating, they're giving new ideas, they're real objective in their ideas. And so asking the right people to help really means not just limiting it to the people who that's their job, nine to five job, but just thinking, Hey, who are the best thinkers? Who are our best leaders, communicators who can help us solve this problem? And Blake, I I saw him do this with what we call our Dallas leadership team, which is kind of the, the eight or so directors that report directly to Blake. 
And where I saw this play out, that he was also asking for our help. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't just asking people in different departments, if you will, to help out with, with certain things. And I remember this one afternoon or one morning when we were having this meeting. And it was one of those meetings that all leaders have faced at sometimes where everybody in the room is grumpy. They're all mad. And they're just kind of complaining and whining. And they're all looking at Blake. Like, don't you know how hard our jobs are and how how hard this is right now? And I, I just never forget this moment where Blake and just his his all of his Blakeness, it was all right there. It was so great. And he's kind of pounding on the table and is just looking us in the eyes and going, guys, the cavalry is not coming. It's not coming. We are the cavalry. Don't wait for some knight in shining armor to show up and just fix everything. Everything we've talked about today, I'm looking at the people who are going to be responsible for making some of these changes. That was a real... A great moment for us as a leadership team to understand we all changed our pronoun usage that day. It was all Blake, you should, and I've heard, and I don't want to, and I bet I bet they need to. And it was all now, uh, okay, this is an us and, and a we thing, which was really, really important. I, it, it, you really couldn't have scripted it. I don't think you woke up that day going, <laughs> I'm dropping the cavalry line on him today. Today's the day. But it was just a early on in those 90 days, Good. he knew this because this was his mindset going in. I'm not doing this alone. I'm doing this with others because we're going to be able to go farther. Yeah, it yeah. was. It wasn't just a what. It was a who. Uh, mm-hmm. Was part of the you know the answer to whatever needed to be optimized around here. Yeah. Yeah. This is a new team, and I'm asking uh, you guys to lock arms with me and solve these problems and lead on this campus. I'm not looking for a bunch of advisors who are just telling me, hey, I think you should do this, or why don't you do that? Hey, fix this, prioritize that. I'm sitting there going, no, 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 guys, this is a we. This is an our problem right now. This isn't one person. We're leading together. We're owning the ministry here. The Calvary is not coming, okay? It's not like that we're... Um, looking to the elders to put on a, a cape, right? And Superman's going to bust in the door. No, we're responsible for what happens here and the health of this campus. And so it's our job. Let's figure it out. Man, he just got so fired up right there. Man. I love it. His shirt is still on. It's still on, um, though it's so, like just a little different. Yeah. So Blake, that was a first 90 day move. And again, that's one of those that, um, man, that could have been such a miserable existence if every week you walked into that meeting and those guys piled stuff on your back. Um, and instead, uh, you had some some brothers and you know that are just locking arms with you mm-hmm. and they're leading together. And uh, so that's not a you know that's not a to do list that's not an action item but that posture right there I think um, you're going to look back in two three years and go I was so glad I love this meeting I love these men and we do this together and Adam's going to love being in there with you um, so I love it really 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 pro stuff yeah it was it was great leadership modeling I learned a lot watching him go through that all right last principle is this and this is important I'm really glad you put this one on here was follow through because yeah, if seems, you've gone through this yeah. whole process you're setting priorities you're you're dreaming about what the future is going to be like, you better be able to deliver. It, it seems self-evident, right? But this is where all of your credibility comes. Yeah. And so you can get a room excited. You could talk about all the problems. You could prioritize, have all these great strategies, all these plans, recruit all these people, and then nothing happens. And it's the biggest momentum killer, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so you want to look like we talked about that low hanging fruit and you want to get those early wins and you want to follow through. Like the next time you meet as a team, somebody should be able to say, this is what we talked about doing. This is what I was responsible for. It's done. Awesome. Next. And then you just start, um, assigning a responsibility for that next project, whatever that next objective is going to be. You have clear goals for when that's going to be done and you follow through. The excitement's going to wear off. Yeah, People are going to, uh, the honeymoon is over at some point, 
right? And um, you can't just go on your energy and your excitement. You've got to follow through though, because on many of the things that need to change, they're not going to happen overnight. Yeah. And it takes endurance. This is, this is an endurance mm. race. And what we're working on right now in the assimilation, which is the one I'm most passionate about right now, where I feel like um, we can take ground. I, I have in my head, hey, this is going to be at least a one-year project to implement the changes that we're talking about. And so um, I, I need to be um, energized for the whole year here, yes. not just for the first 90 days or 180 days. I mean, at least a year, this team's going to be meeting together, um, working together, collaborating, and we got to keep solving this problem. Keep working the problem. I think, I think of Apollo 13. Did y'all see that movie? Of course. You know, they're up there and they're stuck in the in space. Could you imagine anything worse than that? I just freak out. I'm nervous thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. And so, but do you remember that awesome classic scene where the guy comes in and he throws all the gear on the table and he goes, this is all we have. And boys, get them home. And he locks them in a room. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yes, I'm there. (laughs) Okay. I love that movie. I love that movie. And I just sit there and I just think, hey, excellence is doing the best we can with what we have. Right. And so I just think about you know, just sitting in that room with some of these teams and going, Hey guys, here's the problem. We've got men stuck in outer space. It's our job. We're going to solve it. Calvary's not coming. Let's lock ourselves in a room. This is all we've, this got, is to all solve we've got. We got to solve this problem. It's exactly wow. right. Thanks but, coach. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I do, but I do love that scene because everybody recognized, Hey, listen, this, this is my job. Like the, the, the responsibility lies on my shoulders and when I come back in a month from now, when this team meets again, I'm going to be asked, hey, yeah. did I do what I was asked of me? This team's counting on me. Right. And so um, you've got to empower people, right? This isn't all about me and what I'm doing in my first 90 days. It's about collaborating, locking arms with others, gifted, passionate leaders on our campus. And so here's, here's what I'm realizing, too, about these five principles is now after the first 90 days is over, which it is. Every new problem you face, you're just going to run the same offense. You're going to ask a lot of questions. You're going to prioritize what needs to be done. You're going to seek buy-in. You're going to ask for help, and you're going to follow through. And so, yes, this is really, really helpful in the first 90 days, and then it's just rinse and repeat. You just keep doing this for the next 90 days and the next 90 days and the next 90 days. And think about just the opposite. Think about the opposite. Our tendency often as leaders sometimes is we don't ask a lot of questions fools rush in, mm. right? We just think, oh, this is what needs to be done. Another movie reference, by the way. Yes. Another movie. We, but think about the opposite. We don't ask a lot of questions. We really don't. We just, we just charge ahead, right? We don't prioritize what needs to be done. We react. We just mm. start putting out fires. Uh, we don't seek buy-in. Maybe we have an inflated ego. Maybe we're tired. Maybe we're just like, I'm just going to do it myself. Um, maybe we don't trust. Maybe we don't trust people. Mm. Um, we're not asking for people's help. We have you know, um, we just rely too much on what we think needs to be done and we don't follow through. I mean, we make these promises or we have these great plans and, you know, we can all have all these great strategies, but then it's the hard work and we just kind of do half of it, but we don't do all of it. And we don't expect as much from the people on that team as we should. And so this may seem kind of obvious, like, Hey, uh, Blake, this is pretty self-evident. It's not complicated but it is hard to do to keep running that offense. I like that. Really, really, really good. Well, as we wind down, you know, I was thinking uh, this, this morning uh, I was talking to a pastor who's about to walk into his first 90 days. And unlike Blake, um, 
and I, I wouldn't say the ship is sinking where he is, but it's uh, <laughs> it's 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 not all roses. Uh, the opportunities he's walking into, and so you know, we talked about a couple of things. But uh, one of the things we both said was, boy, a year from now, he is going to have grown so mm-hmm. much, and um, there's just an opportunity for growth in the first ninety days doing something that's hard. Sometimes you might be in over your little uh, a little bit over your head, and I think you know um, Blake's already. We've just we have seen Blake have forget the outside testimony, you and I have seen yeah. Blake grow through this. Yes. And so when you're in the first 90 days, uh, you know, the beginning of something new, um, that's where you tend to grow, lean into it, see it as a real gift, even if it's tough, even if it's really, really hard, you stay the course, you do the things that Blake's uh, talked about, you'll have a lot of fun. And I think you're really going to like who you become uh, in Christ as a result. Blake, always fun having you in the studio. Thanks for coming back and sharing Love with being us. here. Thanks guys. Well, if you have any questions or comments on today's episode or topics you'd like for us to consider for future episodes, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review us. That helps people find us. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.